Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Okay, across the world on the internet at MichaelDukeshow.com where you'll find all the links to the social media sites where we simulcast the show every morning, plus links to the uh, live stream, as well as the podcast links for CastBox, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, uh, and, of course, Spotify. Uh, And, of course, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Good morning and welcome to the program. It is Tuesday. No tacos, unfortunately. I really want those tacos made from bacon, you know, with a shell that's made from bacon and then stuffed with egg and stuff. That's what I want. I want breakfast, bacon breakfast tacos. That's, um, and now I'm hungry. (laughs) And now I'm hungry. Welcome to the program. And thanks for uh, coming in and joining us. All right, so today is Tuesday. And we are ready to, uh, we're ready to go here. We're ready to dive into it and talk about uh, all the big stuff. It is the deep dive, the deep dive for Tuesday. Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets will be joining us this morning. And we'll be talking with him about, uh, well, all the news that's fit to print, including uh, the, uh, the, the real PFD. With the real PFD fix, please stand up that's we're, we're ready to we're ready to talk about that could we there's lots of options out there where's the real one also the growing fiscal disconnect in the legislature and a little bit of legislative hypocrisy i know shocking shocking uh that uh <clears throat> that uh there is some hypocrisy in the government i mean i just can't i can't believe it can you can you? So uh, anyway, <clears throat> we are ready to go and uh, going to be diving into that here with Brad Keithley in just a few moments. We'll be talking with him uh, about uh, those topics and more, getting some getting some uh, some intel from him and uh, talking about those things. That's going to be dead ahead this morning uh, for hour one. Then in hour two, we're going to be uh, we're going to be talking. Uh, with Chris Story, the man from Homer, who's coming in to give us our weekly life coaching lesson, our positivity update, and so much more. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. I'm excited. I can't wait to see it. I'm ready to dive into it, and uh, we're going to do some headlines to start. How about that? How about that? We're going to go ahead and just do that this morning. So, um, how was your Monday? I commanded it to be good for you. And so I'm hoping it was, I'm hoping Monday was good for you. Um, it was pretty good for me. Pretty good for me. So we're, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling better. I was a little, uh, a little, 
a little bit of a whip puppy yesterday, but today is a much better day. Uh, so let's uh, let's take a look and start by sprouting some headlines here and getting into it. First and foremost, uh, the Alaska landmine yesterday afternoon, about 3 p.m., dropped a new tweet. The House Finance Committee's substitute for Governor Dunleavy's budget uh, was uh, leaked out. There's a working draft that uh, came out uh, for the uh, for a substitute for the governor's budget. And it reduced the dividend that the governor's budget had. The governor had the full statutory dividend, which was roughly about $4,000. And this one, uh, the substitute has reduced the full statutory dividend down to a 50-50 dividend, taking it from approximately $3,900 to $4,000 and uh, moving it down approximately to $2,700. And we'll see. Uh, we'll see where that goes. We'll see where that goes and what that what that does. What does it mean? What does it mean? Uh, we'll have some discussion on that this well this morning. Uh, also, of course, the I I just I sorry I had to I had to chuckle. About a hundred people showed up at a rally on Saturday, according to KTUU to rally against the uh, parental rights in education bill, which the governor has put out. Uh, that, of course, has some stipulations that would change how um, trans trans youth, trans transgender kids would be treated in school. I thought it was, um, I thought it was a reasonable bill, personally. I mean, I, we, I've made no, I've made no bones about it. I think it's important to have parents in the loop. I think it's important to be able to keep, you know, things kind of on an equitable scale. But the protest uh, drew, I mean, they say 100 people, but I watched the video from a couple different sources. And uh, maybe I just can't count enough. But uh, I would say it's, the, on, the roughly is rough. Let's just put it, when it says roughly 100 people showed up, I would say that's a pretty rough estimate because it seemed like about, 65 people showed. But I mean, again, I wasn't there. I did. I'm just looking at the pictures. Here's what I found interesting, though. The bill, the protest was held at the Town Square Park by the Party for Socialism and Liberation Anchorage. <clears throat> the, the Party for Socialism and, Liber- and Liberation, which for I mean, I, I'd never heard of. I'd never heard of. Um, but uh that uh, <clears throat> that's the whole thing. A revolutionary socialist organization in Alaska. That's what they that's what they call themselves. A revolutionary socialist organization in Alaska, the Party for Socialism and Liberation Anchorage. So good for <clears throat> good for them. Good for them. They're, they're, they're anyway. They're all everybody's upset because you know it's. I guess I'll repeat my commentary from yesterday when I said we're talking about having to try and change and mold the behavior of every student, every student parent relationship in the entire school system for a very small handful. I mean, we're talking about 3%, 2% of the overall population. And instead, I'm thinking maybe there should be just some exceptions carved out instead of trying to mandate the change for every student. 
that that's just me. That's just me. I mean, I'm just saying it. But of course, this bill has enraged many people, and uh, we'll we'll get the full. I'm sure we'll get the full details on it as we go through. Um, but what I really wanted to focus on today, uh, because <clears throat> I think we've probably beat that dead horse on the uh, on the educational bills and the movement on that, is the uh, testimony yesterday. Uh, in front of Ways and Means Committee uh, from the folks at the Reason Foundation. This is some deep analysis, and we're working on getting these folks on board the program to discuss this. Uh, Ryan Frost and Leonard Gilroy are with the Reason Foundation. They're part of the Pension Integrity Project. And they took a look specifically at the bills that are here in front of um, in front of Alaska uh, and in front of our own legislature, and they said if the uh, th- they took a look at this and said this is uh, going to take a very heavy lift, and for it to work out, it would require some highly highly optimistic um, math, highly optimistic math and returns. They told lawmakers that the pension plan itself would have to earn an average of 7.25% over 30 years in order to avoid putting the state into a deeper fiscal hole than it's already in from the previous pension plan. Remember, we still owe about $7 billion, down from 12, but almost $7 billion to the previous pension plan. Um, but you'd have to earn some pretty high returns to avoid adding to that burden. The average return, they said right now, is just below 7%. But even that 0.25, even that quarter of a percent makes a huge difference. Uh, So far, there hasn't been any accurate fiscal note for SB 88. Both Frost and Gilroy said if the pension fund suffered any kind of fiscal stress at all, the state could take on an increase unfunded liability of $8.6 billion over the next 30 years. Uh, the two said the stress test they used in their analysis well, what was is what has been observed, and it's informed from over the past 20 years of market returns. So they're not taking this in a vacuum. They're looking back at the past 20 years of market uh, returns and then plugging it into their formula and taking a look at it. But eight billion dollars over the next 30 years. The two uh, guys from Reason also said that in their analysis performed for governments all over the country, they found that there's no correlation between employee retention and defined benefits. Employees are different in this era and move around for various reasons, they said. Retention is a problem all over the country. The average employee holds vastly more jobs than their parents did, an average of seven to eight jobs over the course of their career. Uh, Cliff Grow said, you just don't understand. You're not from Alaska. I mean, that was his basically his answer. Because, of course, <clears throat> nothing that worked outside could work here or nothing that doesn't work here couldn't work outside. I mean, it. it yeah. Uh, anyway, they uh, they, they it's it's going to be dis- it's going to be very interesting. I am working on trying to get uh, uh, the fellows from Reason, Ryan Frost and Leonard Gilroy on the program to discuss this, because this is going to eight we already we still owe seven billion eight billion dollars more over the next thirty years. 
This might be why there is no solid fiscal analysis. <laughs> the, the, the bill is not transparent. There's been no accurate fiscal note for SB 88. That might be the reason. I'm just, I'm just pointing that out because maybe it doesn't say exactly what they want it to say. Right? So we'll see if we can get the folks from Reason on uh, this week working on it. And we'll get back to you on that. All right, uh, we got more coming up. Brad Keithley is up next. The Michael Duke Show. The Weekly Top 3. Right here. Don't go anywhere. Back with more in just a moment. Don't forget, if you'd like to help support the show, the Common Sense Core is how you do it. Become a member of the Cool Kids Club for the cost of less than uh, a cup of coffee a month. You can help support the show. Go to MichaelDukeShow.com and click on Join the Core. Or you could just go to patreon.com slash Michael Duke Show. Back with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Okay. Okay, okay. You guys ready to uh you guys ready to go? We're ready to uh talk about our thing here, huh? We're all ready to do this. Let me get let me, I forgot to turn on my forgot to turn on my little timer there. So you know how that goes. You know how that goes. Damn kids these days. All right, here we go. All good. Okay. I think Gross slept through a lot of the testimony. Um, let me go back to the top here real quick. I see Brad's down in the green room. We're gonna be we're gonna jump in with Brad here in just a second. Um, I'm just going over. Wow, you guys have been verbose this morning. Last night's Ways and Means was excruciating to watch, said Terry. Oof. Uh, any reason why? Um, okay. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Um, good morning. My dad's out there as well. Hi, Dad. Uh, can we vote on a state of readiness? Um, I'm sorry. I'm just, you guys, seems my crew failed to read the emails again. It's about Monday. See, I told him that everybody was going to have a great Monday. And Brian said, about Monday. Seems my crew failed to read the emails again. Hey, why do we write emails anyway, right? I mean, it could have been handled by a perfectly good, over overly long meeting. Why do we need an email? Um, uh, revolutionary. Yeah, I know. This whole socialism in Anchorage, this, I don't know. billion is chump change. Their figures are weak, says Jeannie. Well, I mean, they are experts in it, but I mean, you know, you're right. I mean, it could be more. I guess it could be more if that's the case. Uh, Good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, Okay. All right. We're ready. (sighs) I got caught up. I got caught up. Let's, uh, let's, Let's do this thing, shall we? Uh, let's bring on Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, and we'll get things going on. Good morning, my friend. How are how are how are you? 
Michael, I uh, I hope the setup's working. I hope you can hear me. I can hear you. I mean, it's not as clear right. and beautiful as it normally is, but that's fine. It's uh, it, it's good, and uh, we're ready to uh, we're ready to go. Uh, Eight point six billion dollars um, on the pension fund, and Cliff Gross said these guys just don't understand. They're from outside. It's Alaska. We're different here, uh, except for the pension funds are all tied up in things that are happening down in the lower forty eight. So. Tell me again how yeah, we, being in Alaska makes that different. We thought that we thought that once before too, and that's how we dealt, dug ourselves into a deep hole in the uh, in the pension fund. We uh, were we were different. We were going to you know earn above market returns, and we sure. were doing great. And all of a sudden, whoops! Thirteen billion in the hole. Thirteen billion, and now they want to go. Well, if you put eight point four plus seven billion, that's fifteen billion in the hole. I mean, no big deal, you know. I'm sure we could dig out of it. We've always got the permanent fund to bail us out, right? <laughs> yeah, and we got a constitutional provision that says if we can't, uh, if we can't cover the pension fund, we have an obli- a constitutional obligation to use the, the permanent fund. So. Yeah, yeah, no, it's. Um, <clears throat> I just, I can't. I just, I love it. I just love the fact that. I mean, I love Alaskan exceptionalism. Don't get me wrong. I believe Alaska is a fantastic place, unlike any other, but. You can't argue with arithmetic or math, right? And the fact that the pension funds would be invested in the stock market, which t- is down in the lower 48. We don't have our own stock yeah, market there, here. There are, there are some things that are different about Alaska. The permanent fund dividend, for example, people have a yeah. hard time figuring that out from the lower 48. Ignore it and don't and don't treat the permanent fund dividend cuts as a tax and all sorts of things. But, but you're right about the pension fund. That is a... That's invested in the real stock market in the real world, and it has you know has real world earnings. It's got a real issue going on there. All right, uh, all right, Brad. We'll hold the line. We're going to uh, jump back to you here in just a hot second, and we're going to uh, get things ready to go on, folks. Please like and share the show. If you haven't subscribed and rang the bell on YouTube, I would ask that you that you do that now. Uh, go out to YouTube. I need. To, I'm still trying to hit that thousand subscriber mark. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Let's uh, let's get things going on here. The Michael Duke Show. All right, we're back, ready to go. It is Tuesday, and that means the weekly top three Alaskans for sustainable budgets. Uh, Brad Keithley, founder and director, AK4SB.com, available on Facebook, Twitter, and all the other social media platforms for you to argue with at any given time over any given financial subject. He would love to do it. Uh, Brad joins us this morning to talk about, uh, well, we got the big, the big top three. Good morning, Brad. How are you, my friend? Michael, I'm doing great today. How about you? You know, again, no complaints. We're off of Monday, so it's Tuesday. I'm pretty excited about it uh, and uh, and ready to jump in. All right, so this week uh, we got some big things going on. The first thing is there's lots of discussions about uh, PFD ideas, how to fix the PFD. Uh, but there are things missing in the debate, uh, says you. Um, and, uh, of course, you're referencing the article that was in the uh, – you're referencing the article that was in the Alaska Beacon about all these different ideas uh, that are going on there. 
So let's start there. What what are some of the ideas that are missing, and uh, you know what what's not being covered in this conversation? Well, there was a there was an extensive article in the Beacon yesterday. Uh, James Brooks did a did an analysis of the PFD, in, in, and in some respects, it's a great article. In some respects, it really you know covers the waterfront in terms of the number of various alternatives. That people have put out there all the way from the statutory PFD, which was the basis of Governor Dunleavy's proposal uh, uh, in this budget, uh, all the way down to the $1,000 PFD that's uh, in Zach Field's uh, bill that's before before Ways and Means. And he does a, he does a good job of covering the, po- the politics, uh, sort of the infighting, the, the, the uh, in-the-room politics about how those various uh, proposals are being considered. But there's one th- one huge thing uh, that is missing from the article. It misses, it's missing from most of the media coverage of the PFD. Uh, and frankly, uh, it, it's missing from a lot of the legislative consideration of the PFD, at least the the in front of the camera hearing hearings that are that are going on about the PFD. And that is what is the impact of the PFD and PFD cuts on Alaskans? Um, and that's something that, that we just d- doesn't seem to, to enter into the debate, certainly doesn't enter into, into uh, uh, James's article. When you and I talk about uh, issues on here, on, on, on this, on the show, you very uh, uh, straightforwardly ask, okay, so what does that mean for Alaskans? What does that mean for Alaska? What does it mean for, uh, for the people listening to the show? There's nothing about that in uh, in James's article. There's nothing about what the impact is uh, on Alaskans of the of the various uh, PFD proposals. I mean, in terms of the dollars that would flow to Alaskans from the PFD, I guess I guess he has that covered. But in terms of what the impact is of using PFD cuts relative to alternatives to balance the budget, there's nothing in there. And and there's three big things. There's three big issues. That, that flow from using PFD cuts relative to alternatives. One is the impact on the economy. You and I have talked to, for a long time about the ICER study, that in, in the 2016 ICER study that, that conclusively found PFD cuts of all the alternatives, income taxes, sales taxes, property taxes, a number of other revenue alternatives, of all of those alternatives, PFD cuts have the largest adverse impact on the economy. Uh, of any of the alternatives. You don't find anything about that in James's James's article. You don't find anything about that uh, in, to, to a large degree in the uh, in the in the hearings, the legislative hearings on the PFD. The second is the impact on jobs. The same uh, uh, study that James did in uh, uh, or the same uh, ICER study that was done in, in 2016, found that of all the alternatives, PFD cuts have the largest adverse impact on jobs. They take more jobs out of the economy because of the reduced uh, spending by middle and lower income Alaska families. They take more jobs out of the economy than any of the other alternatives, more than income taxes, more than sales taxes, and more than property taxes, more than any other alternative. You don't find any of that discussed uh, in James's article, mentioned in James's article, or mentioned uh, much in the legislative hearings. And the third is the one that we talk about a lot on the show, which is the impact on Alaska families. That that PFD cuts have the are are regressive, have a huge adverse impact on middle and lower income Alaska families. Take more from them. Eighty percent of Alaska families 
than any of the other alternatives. You don't find any of that in James's article. Uh, uh, no analysis of what the impact is on Alaska families relative to alternatives. And you, and you often don't hear that in legislative hearings either. So what, what Alaskans are getting from their media is, is great inside baseball about what's going on at the legislature and great inside baseball about what all the various options are, but virtually no discussion of what the impact on them, on Alaska families, the readers, what the impact on them uh, of, uh, of the various alternatives and, and what, and what we're losing as, as Alaska families, as uh, in terms of Alaska jobs, in terms of Alaska income, in terms of the impact on the economy, what we're losing from, uh, from those, uh, from, from, you know, using PFD cuts as, as opposed to the alternative, you know, yesterday, you, you mentioned it in the opening segment yesterday, house finance, uh, uh, Delana Johnson, dropped uh, uh that dropped uh the position that the house finance committee her position her recommendation to the house in the committee substitute in the house uh committee subs house finance committee substitute that they're going to use a 50 50 uh, pomv uh, pfd that they're going to cut governor dunleavy's proposed statutory pfd down to uh pomv 50 50 and that's a cut of about 600 million dollars um in the pfd just like that. I mean, that was that was that was sort of the the extent of the discussion. But no, no analysis uh, before the committee. No analysis. No discussion about what the impact of that has using that mechanism uh, to raise the funds to raise funds to cover the budget. No, no analysis of that uh, of that uh, decision on, uh, on jobs, on the overall economy, or on Alaska families. It's just. It's sort of like they don't matter. I mean, it's sort of right. like, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, and again, on that, on the opposite side, you one thing that they that the news media does continue to cover, and they do continue to cover in the legislative debates and in the forums and on video and everything else, is of course the impact to the government if they don't do these things. Oh, the impact to the government will be oh the impact to this program. Oh, the impact to these kind of things and these constituencies and these jobs and these all these it's all again it, we've talked about it but it's all about the public how can we protect the public government economy over the private economy and with almost no discussion on the impact on the private economy it's all about yeah. the doom and gloom of the state not being able to provide all these you know wahoo services that they want to provide all across the spectrum not the constitutionally mandated services, but all the services, all the pie in the sky thing. So any kind of discussion always goes back to, oh, what's the impact on the government? If we don't take this money from the people, what's the impact on them? That's the thing. We're now in the service of government instead of the service of the public or the private economy here in the state. Yep, exactly right. But but even if you assume, even if you assume that government somehow needs the money, even if you, you know, make the leap that, that government needs the money, then the secondary analysis of what's the best way to do it, what's the best way to raise that money for government, what's the impact of the various alternatives and how to raise that money uh, for government. No analysis of that. It's just, I mean, it's just straight to the straight to the well. The PFD is coming through our fingers, coming through you know the legislature's fingers on its way to the people, and we'll just we're going to slice off whatever we want uh, 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 that we that we think we need in order to in order to fund government. So it's it's um, it's disappointing in the sense that in the failure 
the failure to include that discussion in the media, the failure to include that discussion of the various alternatives and the impact of using PFD cuts over the various alternatives, the failure to include that in legislative hearings is, I think, you know, legislators get away with making these cuts uh, uh, to the PFD, using PFD cuts, because Alaskans don't understand that there, A, are alternatives, and B, that the alternatives have a lower impact, a lower adverse impact uh, on Alaska families, on, on the Alaska economy, and on Alaska jobs uh, of, that have lower impacts than, uh, than PFD cuts. So it's, I, I think I, they're shortcutting the debate, uh, frankly, because I don't think they want Alaskans to understand what the alternatives are. They're shortcutting the debate um, and and in the and and the media is just doing the same thing as shortcutting the debate uh, and leaving uh, leaving that analysis out of it. It's it's, uh, it's it's just disappointing because we're not we're not considering the best interests of the overall Alaska economy, the best interests of Alaska jobs, and the best interests of Alaska families when we're making these decisions. Brad Keithley is our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Before we move off of number one, there are a handful of different options out there. Are any of the options out there palatable to you, uh, whether it's the House Ways and Means Committee's bill, which would basically reinstitute the shall transfer thing in the Constitution, whether it's uh, you know HJR 7, HJR 8, any of these out there look to you like they are a possible solution for what's going on with the PFD discussion? Well, I think HJR 8. If I recall, if I have my numbers right, or seven, I, actually, I'm losing track of the numbers. The one that says uh, we will constitutionalize the PFD at, uh, at, at, at statutory levels or at POMB 5050 uh, as part of a broader resolution of all of these, of all of the fiscal issues, that we will const, const, constitutionalize the PFD and constitutionalize the, the, the permanent fund uh, the draws from the permanent fund. I think that in the context of an overall solution as the fiscal policy working group uh, worked through it, I think that is a, a that would be a very good solution because that's going to force you then to address the other revenue options that you have, the lower impact revenue options that you have out there and and weigh those against, uh, against the budget. So I, I think that constitutionalizing uh, the PFD constitutionalizing the 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 draw the legislature makes from the permanent fund uh, would be a uh, would be a very uh, as a piece as a part of an overall solution uh, would be a very good uh, a very good step. All right, so that's number one. Uh, we're going to move on to number two, which uh, Brad is going to talk about uh, the growing fiscal disconnect this session in regards specifically to talking about school funding and everything else, while at the same time, we're, we got some issues on the revenue side. Uh, go ahead and give me a tease. We'll leave a little early and come back. Well, uh, there's there's been several uh, uh, moves out there. Senate education uh, voted out a bill that would increase uh, uh, K through 12 funding, increase the BSA substantially, and then tie it going forward to uh, uh, to inflation, which would have substantial fiscal implications. Um, the, the, the House is moving forward on its budget. But, but FY24 revenue uh, is looking very, very shaky. I mean, oil prices are down $14, 12, $12 $13, $14 uh, from, uh, from what was in the, uh, the fall revenue forecast for FY24. 
that has huge implications on the, on the revenue side, but no one's paying attention to that yet. The spring revenue forecast still hasn't come out. Uh, the, the, the discussion of revenues really hasn't started. And so we have all of these spending bills moving forward and people getting locked into positions on these spending bills without really considering where the revenues are going. And, and the result is a, is a half, halfway discussion that, that's not doing the state any good service. Brad Keithley is our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We continue with the weekly top three. Number two, dead ahead. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free thinking radio. Listened to by more staffers in Juno than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're going to be pissed. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, in the break right now, Brad Keithley, our guest, uh, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, and uh, I just... Oh, shaking my head. Now, Brad, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. The spring budget forecast was the, was supposed to be out on the 15th. Here we are, the 21st, six days later, uh, and no spring forecast. Uh, what's going on? Well, I, the answer is I don't know. I, my, I understand. I was told yesterday that it's supposed to come out today. Uh, the last few years has come out on uh, on, on March 15th uh, during the Walker administration. I was looking back uh, this morning during the Walker administration, it came out sometimes in April. So there's no I guess there's no fixed date uh, that it's uh, that is that is usually to come that it comes out, but it moves around a lot. But the last few years has come out on March 15th. So um, I, I, I'm not quite sure uh, uh, what they're doing, but. But but we're we we've ended up we're ending up with the cart before the horse we're ending up with a bunch of spending bills, uh, uh, moving ahead uh, and getting people entrenched in positions on spending bills. Uh, you know we've got people who are you know BSA no matter what, and 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 the and the the consequence of that is we have all these spending bills going forward, people locking in on positions, and revenues not being part of the discussion when revenues very much need to be part of the discussion. Hope. Hopefully we will catch up with that process uh, during the, during the next couple of weeks. But it's really, I mean, we've had the cart moving way ahead out in front of the horse here. Uh, you, we talked about the uh, spring revenue forecast last week, but your predictions at this point is that it's going to be eye-opening. <laughs> I mean, that we're going to be looking at more deficits than we originally anticipated uh, compared to the fall forecast based on everything that's going on in the world. Well, looking at FY24, we're looking at something like 700 to $800 million less in, in, in traditional revenues than it was projected in the, uh, in the fall forecast. And, and, and looking across the 10-year span or even the five-year span, we're looking at revenues that are down significantly uh, from what was in the traditional revenues that were down significantly from what was in the fall forecast. So we're, we're, looking, we're looking at a... At a at a situation that's materially different, I think, in terms of revenues than, than what was in the fall forecast and what some have been using uh, for, as the basis for discussion so far. Maybe, you know, maybe that's, that's 
all part of a plan to get people locked in on all these spending positions before they before they talk about uh, before they talk about revenues. I mean, part of the justification yesterday that that uh, uh, Delana Johnson gave for cutting the PFD down to POMV 5050 from the governor's proposal was that, hey, we got big deficits. We got to do something. There's only so many levers we can pull. So we're going to pull on. Pull PFD cuts again. We're going to pull the worst, the one that, again, going back to the ICER language of all the levers you can pull. We had the ICER folks on the program back in 2016, and that's exactly what they said. They said, here's a wall of levers, and you've got all the levers you could pull, and the one that has the most adverse impact on the economy is pulling the levers for PFD. It's ironic that she's using the same imagery for that same kind of thing, (laughs) but there you go. Um, Linda asks in the uh, chat room, um, Brad, have you ever made a presentation for both finance committees? Um, and I know that you've testified in part in the past. Uh, have you sat before the finance committees and asked these questions or, um, can we get somebody to invite you on to ask these questions? I mean, I think these are important. I mean, you know, I I've been before the finance committees, both finance committees back in the middle 20 teens, but since we, Let's see. Since we've had PFD cuts, yeah, I don't think I've. I think I don't think I've been before the finance committee since we've had PFD cuts. I testified before Ways and Means last session, um, and it was it was sort of like, oh, that's nice. Thank you very much. And my my comment was, we need to con- as you consider bills, we need to consider the impact on Alaska families and on the economy and jobs. They said that's that's fine. Thank you very much. And then they never did it. So right. Um, the answer is the answer to the question is yes, but not for a long time, and 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 not since we've started into PFD cuts. Um, uh, Kevin McCabe made a comment earlier when we were talking about the HJR resolutions. He said that HJR seven and eight kind of go in combination together, and I think they actually even work with the fiscal policy working group, or with the uh, House Ways and Means bill that comes out as well. That that constitutionalizes the transfer as a shell transfer, giving the legislature basically no option on it. It is a shell transfer. So I think all three of them are kind of working in combination, um, which is all, again, part of the overall fiscal policy working group plan. Remember, everything had to be done holistically, right? I mean, that was the whole point. It is. And, 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 and any, any, any combination that comes out with, uh, Yes, we're going to raise revenue another way, a, a lower impact way, a way that that engages the top 20 percent in pushing back on spending. Yes, we're going to constitutionalize the PFD and yes, we're going to constitutionalize the draw from the PF, from the, the permit fund. Any of those solutions, I think, uh, in combination uh, are, are an attractive package. All right, let's jump back into it with Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. The Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. Whew. I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not your daddy. Uh, I don't even look like him. Nope, not happening. All right, we're back now. Alaska's for Sustainable Budgets. Brad Keithley here is our guest. Uh, We're continuing with the weekly top three. We're on to number two, which is the growing fiscal disconnect 
that's happening this session. We've talked about that disconnect in a lot of different ways, including the complete disconnect from the public and private sector that uh, represent or that uh, Senator Rob Myers has talked about and more. Uh, Brad is going to give us the rundown on this specifically with the school spending and and of course the spring revenue forecast, which apparently is due out today. Uh, Brad, go ahead. Well, Michael, the, 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 point, the point of this is that we have a bunch of spending bills moving forward. We have how our Senate education moving forward with K through 12 bill that substantially increases the BSA uh, by nearly $300 million, uh, ties it to inflation thereafter, which would uh, increase it even more over time, continuing to, to ramp up uh, that spending. We have the House Finance uh, committee yesterday having that the, the budget substitute, considering the budget substitute uh, that uh, uh, incorporates the governor's uh, spending proposals, which frankly sort of ramp up spending a little bit more. We have Senate, we have the Senate uh, finance talking about uh, defined benefits, which, uh, you know, as much as some people say it's not going to raise costs, it, it is going to raise costs. I mean, that's the whole purpose of it to transfer the risk, to transfer the the burden of, of, of having enough money for retirement over to the state, taking it away, uh, move, removing it from, uh, from individuals. So that's going to, uh, that's going to increase costs. We have all of these, all of these efforts to increase costs, but we don't have, we don't have revenues in front of the, um, in front of the legislature. So it's like a family sitting down to the table saying, boy, I'd like to take this vacation. I'd like to buy that new car. I need a new boat. We need a new, a snow machine. We needed. We need several. We need house repairs. We need to do all these things, uh, but without any consideration of of what the revenue that's coming in to uh, to support it. So, it, it, we need we need to have revenue on the table at the same time as we have a discussion about all these spending plans, or else we're just you know we're we're, we're pushing ourselves into a deeper and deeper hole. And, and when you look at where revenues are going, when you look at oil prices, um, uh, and, and yesterday during the House Finance Committee discussions, uh, Elena Johnson suggested that uh, permanent fund earnings are going down well as well. So when you look at when you look at all these all these revenue sources, they're going down. So we've got spend, a push for spending to go up, or or at least in 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 the case of the governor's budget to remain flat. We've got spending going like this. We got revenues going like this, and no one's sitting there thus far. No one's sitting there going, "Hmm, these don't match," <laughs> and 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 we're moving ourselves into into a deeper fiscal hole uh, by going this direction. I, it's 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 a way that we've run this government before. Uh, it's a way that we sort of ran it through the twenty teens, and we saw what happened. I mean, we just drained savings and savings and savings. Then when we ran out of that, now we're draining the permanent fund, permanent fund dividends down and down and down. We shouldn't be doing that. We should have we should have revenues uh, on the table at the same time we're talking about spending and have a reality check uh, on uh, on some of these spending proposals that just aren't there. If I think I think when the revenue forecast hits, people are going to understand ah k through 12 I, we, we may not we can't afford that we can't afford the increases they're talking about set set aside the whole discussion about you know in, inflation impact and all that sort of stuff we can't afford it we don't have the money to do it without taxing alaskans and then having a discussion about the best way to tax alaskans to pay for it if that's 
if that's the direction we want to go. But moving forward on these spending bills without having revenues on the revised revenue forecast on the table, I think it's just a recipe for disaster, certainly a recipe for getting uh, getting to the end uh, and Bert Stedman or somebody saying, well, just got to cut the PFD some more because we just got to tax Alaska families uh, some more because, you know, we need the money and boy, you know, this money's coming through our fingers. So we got to do it. Well, like I, you- it's just I, we're, we're not Matt. We're not running. We're not matching the two sides of the of the income statement. Uh, at the same time, like you said, it's ironic that they're uh, giving them time to get but get all these uh, uh, spending bills out there to get entrenched in their arguments as to why it needs to happen. And then we'll get the surprise, the October surprise of the uh, spring revenue forecast to realize the money is just not there to fix those things. And that's going to be part of the problem. Uh, this is going to be the re- this is going to be the battle for the rest of the session, I believe. It is. I mean, last year. Last year, the October surprise on the revenue side was was good news, right? It was revenues are up, oil prices are up, revenues are up, the market's been doing well, uh, permanent fund earnings are going to be uh, are going to be uh, relatively strong. Everything's good news, and and that changed the dynamic. Everybody said, "Well, geez, you know, we got all this money, let's spend some more and some more and some more." This year, the October surprise is going to be revenues are down uh, a hard. Uh, for FY24, and revenues are going to be down hard over the next uh, 10-year period, and and that should that should create the opposite dynamic than what we had last year. I mean, it, it, in a in a rational world, it should create the optional uh, the alternative dynamic. But we we're not we're not having that dynamic because we haven't been honest with ourselves about where revenues are going, uh, and so all these spending bills are just you know they continue building and building and building all these efforts behind increased spending just to just continue building and building and it's gonna you know we're gonna have a come to jesus moment out there but we're already gonna have we're already gonna have people already committed to all of this spending before they realize that uh, we don't have the revenues to pay for it a uh, quick recap of last week when we were talking about what you expect the projections to be we talked about this a bit in the break but you're expecting that the spring revenue forecast is going to show some well pretty grim numbers yeah, we're going to be uh, uh, we're going to be down for FY twenty four. We're going to be down uh, roughly eight hundred million dollars, seven to eight hundred million dollars from uh, from where we were uh, uh, in the fall revenue forecast for FY twenty four, and and about the same thing uh, occurs uh, occurs uh, through the remainder of the of the ten year period. Tr- traditional revenues, oil revenues are going down over that ten year period. They take a huge dive in FY twenty four, then they sort of continue going down over that period. Permanent fund earnings sort of fill it, fill in some of that and sort of keep revenues, total UGF revenues, unrestricted general fund revenues flat over that period. But we've got spending. I mean, you, you layer on the, the next step of this, you got spending in terms of the BSA increase, in terms of defined benefits, in terms of university, all of that spending is, just sort of takes off like that. So it's um, we, we, we just don't have a good match between the two. Uh, all right. That's number two. Again, the disconnect, the fiscal disconnect. And we've talked about many different aspects of that, including the discussion, as I said earlier, with Senator Rob Myers, who uh, who said that that is one of the most dangerous things, disconnecting the public and the private economy from each other. Uh, he also just said our fiscal situation isn't a rational setup which I would also agree with. We're putting the cart before the horse all the time in what we do around here. 
Uh, it, it's a rational setup if you're, if, uh, and, and Rob's the perfect one to make this point. It's a rational setup if your goal is to increase government spending <laughs> because, because you get all right. the government spending bills out there uh, and, all the, and all the push and all the comments for government spending uh, out there before you, you know, before you actually know what revenues you have to deal with. So right. if, you're, if, you're, if your goal is to increase government spending, it's rational from that standpoint. Any other, any other perspective, it's not rational. Again, just another argument for the fourth of the, the four charter of changes is changing the way that we budget. I mean, we need to do something differently instead of putting this cart before the horse again and again and again. Uh, number three, <clears throat> Brad says that there could be a little hypocrisy in the Alaska legislature. I mean, <laughs> I find that shocking, Brad, shocking that there should be some hypocrisy in the Alaska legislature when it comes to spending, especially when it comes to legislative and government pay. Go ahead. Well, this this whole this whole uh, uh, mess that we've gotten ourselves into on legislative and, and executive pay is just a, it, 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 we've got legislators who are saying, yes, I know we have to be responsible fiscal, fiscally. Yes, I know we have to, we have to, you know, restrain our, we, we have to restrain government spending. Yes, I know that, you know, we, we, we don't have, we don't have the fiscal power to, or the revenue power to, to do all these things. And then, <laughs> We get we get this the legislative we get this pay package that um, is has, has gone off the rails. I mean, the pay package came over from the compensation uh, commission, and it was only for executives. It was a fairly high pay package for uh, for uh, uh, the governor, for lieutenant governor, and the and the heads of the various uh, 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 agencies. Um, high pay package. Legislature rejects that. Then, then the commission, the governor essentially fires the commission on a Tuesday afternoon. The commission, the commission in a 15 minute meeting, uh, resets the pay package, not only to increase salaries for the governor, but now to also increase it for, uh, for legislators. Um, and, and so we're, we, we've now got, we're now going, you know, you, you know, we talked about, we talked about the fiscal, the budget being out of sync with, with pushing spending above revenue, above revenues. Now we've got you know the legislators doing the, doing the same thing. Legislators will will tell you, oh, I didn't, I'm I haven't voted for that. I voted against the pay package. You know, don't tag me with that responsibility. But the way it's set up, it's going to go through unless legislators vote against it. And when you look at the media when they talk to legislators, legislators are saying, well, it's a complicated issue. I don't know if I'll vote for or against it. And uh, and and are really putting themselves in a position to let the to let the salaries go up. So at the same time as we have revenues going down, we have and we have PFDs going down, PFD cuts being implemented, taking money out of the hands of of, of Alaska families, uh, taking money out of the Alaska economy, uh, taking jobs out of the Alaska economy. At the same time we have all of that going on, we have legislators saying, yeah, and 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 the governor and and, and administrative heads saying, yeah, but but we need pay increases. So, you know, give us the pay increase. It's, it's going to be, I mean, they're putting themselves in a position. How do you push back on K through 12 spending increases for K through 12? And you just gave yourself a big, a big pay increase. How do you, how do you push back on defined benefits when you just gave yourself a big, a big pay increase? It's, it's just right. the height of hypocrisy. You, if you're going to push back on one, you need to push back on the other. 
I was just shocked the fact that the governor fired everybody on Tuesday afternoon and Wednesday morning they had the new meeting and it was all settled by Wednesday midday. Like it was all said and done. I mean, the fix was in, obviously, uh, in that kind of situation. I mean, Gary Stevens basically said it on the, in the paper. Uh, if we don't get pay for legislators, nobody's getting a pay raise, essentially is what he said in the newspaper. Uh, final thoughts and here. So, yeah, final thoughts. And so all of a sudden we get pay for legislators. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, appreciate you coming in, my friend. Uh, uh, just another great day in the paradise that is Alaska, right? I mean, just another great day. Thank you for being part of it today. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. Folks, we got more coming up. Don't go anywhere. We're going to continue here in just a moment. We've got Chris Story coming up, and we'll be talking with him for our weekly life coaching lesson in just a minute. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. I mean, <clears throat> to me, Brad, that was the most shocking thing is that Gary Stevens basically said in the ADN, well, you know, we're just not going to vote for anything because they haven't discussed legislative pay raises. The, the Like the two days later, a couple board members resign. And then uh, the next day, the governor fires everybody that remains and they get a whole new batch in there. And then they're like, well, here you go. Here's legislative pay raises. Thirty four thousand dollars per legislator. Uh, on top of what they're currently getting, plus the per diem remains the same, so they can get up to another whatever it is, thirty-five, thirty-seven thousand dollars worth of per diem. Um, I look, I'm not, I'm not shorting anybody a, a, an honest living, but you're working essentially part time for hundred and thirty thousand dollars a year. For uh, the legislative session is hell. I, I, you know, four months of hard, hard work, no doubt about it. But the remainder of the eight months, you're working part time. You're making one hundred and thirty thousand bucks a year. That's a pretty good pay when it's all said and done. Michael, they just they just moved themselves into the top twenty percent on legislative pay alone. I mean, you're 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 exactly right that it, that it's supposed to be a part job, part time job. They're supposed to be citizens legislators, but they just moved themselves into the top twenty percent. Think about this: all of them, every last one of them into the top 20% on legislative pay alone. And, you know, you talk about not being connected to Alaskans. I, it, they, they, they're, they're increasingly isolating themselves, not only physically because they're down in Juneau, but isolating themselves economically by just, you know, they're comfortable. PFD doesn't mean that much to them. So why should it care much to anybody else? We'll just, we'll just cut the PFD in part to pay us, in part to pay, pay our increased salaries in part to pay the governor's increased salary. Uh, we'll just take, we'll just keep taking more and more pocket money out of the pocket of, uh, of the other, other 80% of Alaska, of Alaska families. It's, it, it, it's, I mean, it, it's just, it, it, it is, it is indicative uh, of the total disconnect that we've gotten ourselves into, into fiscally. We, we don't, we're, we're not, we're not saying, oh, let's worry about revenues. Then what can we spend inside revenues? What's our what's our income, and then and then what what can we afford inside that? It's just let's spend, 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 um, and we know we always can cut the PFD to pay for it. We all, we can always take it out of the pockets of of middle and lower income Alaska families uh, uh, to pay for it. It's just I it's you know disgusting, hypocritical, uh, disconnected, whatever whatever word somebody wants to apply to it. But it's not 
it's not doing Alaska any good. Brad, uh, what should we be watching for uh, this week, you think, as we continue to see things going through and we're watching it? Of course, the forecast is going to come out today. What uh, what should we be paying attention to in the in the short term here? I think in the short term, it's the House Finance Committee. It's the House Finance Committee amendments uh, to the budget. As they move through the budget, they take the CS that they've got, the committee substitutes that they've got from their leadership, and as they move through the budget um, and start to uh, start to finalize the at least the House Finance version of the budget, it's it's what issues uh, are they talking about? Are they talking about issues that connect them to the Alaska that that connect the budget to the Alaska economy, to jobs, and to Alaska families, or are they just you know are they part of the problem in terms of in terms of being uh, in terms of being disconnected? House Finance, for example could say, no, we're not going to take that raise. We're going to take the money for the for the pay raise out of the budget. Um, it's just another statute. <laughs> I mean, right. And they're right. Good at statutes. Yeah. No. But but we'll see what we'll see what they're going to do as the budget moves through. Uh Gary lays some truth on us here, and I got to agree with Gary, but at the same time, it's on us to fix this. If this does not get out to a larger and a diverse audience, other than those of us here, again, preaching to the choir, it's it's going to be the only way to get people thinking. We have to get it out there. AK4SB needs to expand away from like-minded venues. Well, we'd love that. Brad, could you get some invites to people who don't agree with us and get get in front of them? I mean, this is really, Gary, on you and every other listener out there to share these conversations with your legislators, to share them with your friends and family. I always, I mean, when I say like and share the show, it's not just for my own self-gratification. I mean, it is for that. Sure, I love that. But the problem is more people need to be involved in these conversations at this level. Right, Brad? I mean, we're just not most people. It's superficial. It's headline. They're reading the headlines. They're reading the first paragraph. They're moving on. They just got all the info they needed. And as we talked about, the news media is not our friend in this case. Now, the news media, news media is just parroting what some, what some legislators say, legislative leadership. And legislative leadership is just saying, you know, we need more money. We, we, we've got all these spending problems we need to spend more money on them and uh, and and we'll just you know we'll grab it out of the pfd as it as it as it goes by um i here here's what i think motive if more legislators talked about these issues i think the media would pick it up um if more legislators who were in leadership talked about these issues i think the media would pick it up if there were more legislative hearings on these issues i think the media would pick it up i still have a lot of a lot of uh, hope uh, for the work that uh, the Ways and Means Committee is doing in the House and the hearings that they're having, uh, and hopefully some of these issues will be surfaced in the course of in the course of those hearings. Um, you know, it's 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 slow work to put together a comprehensive plan, and I know Ben's laying a foundation uh, to support a, a, a plan, but that's one place where some of these some of these issues and some of this discussion can take place. Uh, but it. it it, it, it takes legislators and, and government officials talking about it to trigger the news media to start to start reporting on it uh, uh, in, uh, in their stories as well. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, AK4SB.com, on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, pretty much everywhere. Brad, uh, we'll see if we can get this out to a wider audience. That's what we're working on right now. We'll see. Everybody should share this right now. That's what we should do it. Thank you, Brad, for coming on board. We appreciate it. Michael, as always, thanks for having me.
All right, folks, we are out of time for this segment. We've got more coming up. Uh, Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show continues. Your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you'll find links to the audio-only stream, the simulcast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. You'll find links there as well to that. We simulcast every morning on those platforms. And, of course, you'll find links to the podcast on uh, iTunes, CastBox, Google, Stitcher, and, of course, Spotify which is my favorite place to go. So there you go. Uh, go check it out and uh, find it all at MichaelDukeShow.com. And, of course, also broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. So it's uh, it's it's Tuesday. We just finished up with Brad Keithley uh, with Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, and uh, I think we... Uh, a pretty good handle on what's going on. The new spring budget forecast is due out today and expect it to be, well, expect it to be pretty uh, disappointing, I guess. Uh, a little depressing uh, uh, what's going on. Uh, we're going to be seeing some big deficits in this state, and yet we're probably not going to see the commensurate cuts that would be required for any other type of budgeting. Uh, you know, uh, business or household or anything else. Uh, one of the things that um, that one of our listeners in the chat room said today with Brad is uh, is Gary said that if this doesn't get out, if this messaging that Brad is putting out there does not get out to a larger and a more diverse audience than just those of us here. I mean, this is the echo chamber, right? I mean, we're all kind of most of us are kind of in agreement on all the issues here that are um is is if Gary says if it doesn't get out to a larger, more diverse audience, then this is you know people are just going to be convinced we've got to get people thinking. Uh, he said that Brad and Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets need to expand away from just the like-minded audience, the like-minded venues, the echo chambers of this show and other places, um, and to uh, you know he needs to get to a wider audience. Well, yes, I agree with that. I mean the messages that we try and put on this show. Uh, is to try and get people to think. We're not. I'm not saying we have all the answers. I'm saying at least we're offering a diverse viewpoint from what you're seeing 
in the news media, what you're seeing in the, uh, you know, coming out of the the powers that be in the legislature. Um, and we're offering, you know, again, kind of an alternative idea, at least having an open discussion about it. That's why, I mean, I've suggested if you're listening on the radio and you've never gone out and taken a look at our Facebook page or our YouTube channel, you know, if you hear something that's particularly poignant or particularly speaks to you or raises your eyebrows or or shocks you or educates you, you should share that. You should share that with your friends and relatives. The only way we're going to get more people involved in this discussion is to get more people involved, right? Because the, the, most people who are busy living life, who are busy with their kids and their 2.5 jobs and whatever else that they've got going on, they are, you know, kind of headline voters. I mean, they are meaning that they don't look beyond the headline and maybe the first paragraph of most news stories. They don't understand the particulars of what's going on in state government because they just it's not a priority to them or they're busy or they're not paying attention or they just don't have the time. They're not taking the time to do it. So they're getting all their information off the headline and the subheading of any specific uh, of any specific issue. We need to work on that. We need to be better about getting more information out there and maybe just plucking one fact out there uh, and dropping it, you know, as kind of a truth bomb on some of these discussions. And, you know, just kind of like you pull a kink, you pull a pin on the on the verbal grenade, you drop it and you step back and you wait for it to go off and for people to go, what, what, what are you talking about? And then you encourage them to get educated on the topic. That maybe that one fact opens their eyes to something that's larger and wider than they uh, than they understood. Uh, you know, when I talk to people here in the chat room or on the streams or wherever else where I'm simulcasting off of the regular radio, and by the way, you could if you're just listening on the radio, thank you first of all. Second of all, have you told your friends about the show? Have you told anybody else about the conversations that we have on a weekly basis about these important issues? And if you have, great. And if you haven't, why not? The same thing with the with the chat rooms and the streams. I mean, I'm asking people to like and share the show on Facebook and like and share the show on YouTube and to subscribe and do all that stuff. That's not just simply for my own edification. I mean, it is edifying. Don't get me wrong. I feel like I'm not screaming into the void anymore. But at the same time, it's to try and bring more people into this conversation because that's what it's going to take. Now, some people have a vested interest in what's going on in the state government, have a vested interest in what's happening uh, with the, you know, with the, the, the spending and everything else, because in one way or another, they may be benefiting or somebody that they love may be benefiting from it. So they're okay with the overspend and everything else. That's, you know, oh yeah, I'm, they're, they're down with it. In fact, maybe they're on the opposite side. They want to protect that spend because it's benefiting them or somebody else. But there is a vast unwashed mass in the middle who are just kind of like, yeah, you know, I'm just going along to getting along, not really paying attention to politics, even though it's eaten my lunch in many ways. And so we've got to get more people involved in this. It's always been, you know, whenever it comes to politics or to government or things like that, it's always been a very small minority that has controlled the narrative, that has controlled the, the discussion and the talking points. Uh, of what's going on, uh, for or against. Um, I mean, that the, the whole thing of, you know, a, a mere 2 or 3% can move mountains 
uh, in a vast majority because the vast majority just aren't paying attention. The vast majority of people just are disconnected. When you have a <clears throat> when you have a 20% voter turnout and you're like, damn, that's a good voter turnout. <laughs> that's that means that 80% just don't care. They just couldn't be bothered to participate. You know, I mean, to me, if if I I see that anything, if it has less than a 60% voter turnout, man, that's rough. That's bad. That's that's disturbing. That means that they either don't care enough, haven't been affected enough, aren't paying attention enough, are just, you know, self-absorbed into whatever they're doing. But that's where we're at. I mean, my goal would be a 60% plus voter turnout for every election, but it's not going to happen statistically. Historically, we know that it is a smaller minority of people that move the needle on these things one way or the other. So what we need to do is we need to pass this message on. We need to pick up the the yoke of education and um uh, you know, to pick up the yoke of education and compassion and to talk to people around us in our job, in our family, in our sphere of influence and say, hey, do you know what's going on in the legislature with the thing? Do you know what's happening with the PFD? Do you know what's happening with the spending? And if they're like, well, I couldn't even possibly be bothered to talk about that. Well, then educate them just a little bit. I'm not saying that you go pre- get preachy on everybody and all you do is talk about politics all the time. But at some point, you've got to you know, find some common ground with them and talk about how they may be affected by things like, and I mean, look, let's face it. It's easy. You want to talk about, for example, the PFD thing, every thousand dollars that's taken out of their PFD, you can look at them and go, Hey, Joe, you know, you and your wife and your 2.4 kids, you know, you just got, you guys just lost $5,000, $5,000 that you could have had access to uh, because the government took it, the, the legislature took it and decided to spend it on something else. What could you have done with that $5,000? I mean, that's just one example if you're looking for common ground with people. Anybody who's in that middle to lower income bracket, I mean, maybe to you, five grand is not a big deal. Five grand a year is not a big deal. Um, but let's face it. You start going down to the 50-50 or whatever. I mean, we're supposed to have a PFD that by statutory formula would be somewhere around $4,000. If you end up getting a $1,000 PFD and the government took $3,000, that just went from $5,000 for your family of four to $12,000. What could you do with $12,000, an extra 1000 bucks a month? And people go, well, I couldn't possibly be bothered to pay attention. Would you pay attention for $1,000 a month? Would you pay attention to what's going on? And to understand that the more that we feed the beast, the more that we allow them to continue to carve into and take the PFD and create all these programs, which are great on the surface, great for taking care of the, uh, of the people of the state of Alaska, but not necessarily um, constitutional, not really government's purview or job to begin with. Then they realize that that mission creep is real, and they realize that maybe something has to be done. Gary's right. We need a larger audience to understand what's going on in the background. We need to. We need them 
to wake up. But it doesn't mean that we have to wake up 50% of the people in the state. Remember, this is a very small percentage. What if we just all reached out there and woke up one or two people ourselves? What would that be? Another 1%, another 2% of the overall population? And maybe we just kept doing that for the next couple of years. If we could sway 4 or 5% of the population to see what we see, maybe we could make some headway. Maybe we can make some difference. Because remember, we're, we're not a red state. As much as the national polls show and the this and the that and they count us as a red state, we're not a red state. We are a purple to blue state. That's that's kind of where we're at. We are we are in a state of dependency. Where a big chunk of the population is depending on that government spending from one end of the spectrum to the opposite end of the spectrum. Whether it's the more traditional welfare of housing and food stamps and Medicaid, or it's on the opposite side of the spectrum, or it's corporate cronyism and government contracts and and living on the government largesse and everything else, we've got that dependency. And those of us in the middle who have no connection to any of those things and are not benefiting from one side or the other, we're taking it in the tailpipe. And until we get more people involved in this, this is where we're going to sit. If all you do, especially with the news media in this state, if all you do is just read the headline and read the first paragraph and you don't educate yourself beyond that, you're never going to be you're never going to understand the full impact of this cuz some of this stuff is complicated. Der. Some of this stuff is not just a 148 character tweet. We've got to get more people involved. And I've been trying to do that for 24 years. 24 years I've been trying to do that. Last month, 24 years last month, I've been doing this show, and I've been trying to get people involved in that for years. Now we're statewide now, so it's better, and hopefully we'll be expanding the show further in the future, and it'll get better. But until then, it's on you to try and educate people in your neck of the woods. So, wow, that was a that was an epic rant, wasn't it? Okay, uh, we gotta go. So we're gonna be back with more. The Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for common sense, liberty-based, P, uh, free-thinking radio. We've got uh, Chris Story coming up in just a moment. We're gonna uh, talk with uh, him. We're gonna get the we're gonna get the rundown from him and his. His topic for today is how to avoid burnout. Boy, I'd really like to know. I would really like to know. Uh, All right. Uh, Also, before we go to break, come here. Where is that? Uh, I just just broke something. Okay, we're going to be back. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Chris Story is our guest up next. Regularly heard on American radio. Michael Duke Show. 
Okay, public testimony this morning on HB 61. Uh, That's going on uh, early this morning. I'm looking for the link here. HB 61 is going to be in front of, I think it's in front of Community and Regional Affairs this morning. HB 61 testimony. I'm looking for the, there's actually a link that I can share here. I'm looking for it. Where is it? Um, uh, okay, here we go. How about that? Uh, HB 61. There we go. It's a community and regional affairs. It's uh, the public testimony on the restrictions of firearms and other weapons. This is Kathy Tilton's bill. Uh, uh, there are some phone numbers that are attached to this and you can, uh, uh, you can check those out and get them uh, all squared away. Uh, let me share my, let me share my, no, no, uh, there we go. Uh, here is the, there's only 53 ones in here. We go right there. Uh, whoa, that was, a that's a little big. Let me pull this down for you to, uh, well, let me just, uh, hold on. Uh, there we go. Um, public testimony on restrictions of firearms and other weapons. Um, and you can call the phone numbers that are there on the screen from Anchorage 907-563-9085. All other callers, uh, 844-586-9085. And those are, uh, again, this is, uh, for, uh, the, uh, bill relating to restrictions on firearms and other weapons. So that's going on. The public testimony goes on about that today. Uh, we will uh, come back to that here in just a moment. Uh, meanwhile, let's get Chris Story. I want to test this with Chris Story before we get going on too far because you know how it is. It's It gets broken. I don't know why, but it gets broken sometimes. So let's see if we can get Chris on the line. And uh, And same thing happened. Uh, you with me, Chris? Good morning, Michael. How are you? Good. Hold on a second here. I'm going to try and reconnect you. Can you hear me now? Uh, hold on a second, Chris. Um, all right. Let me let me call you back, Chris. I don't know why. Life, it, it, it The whole damn thing hates you. I don't know why. I don't know why, but... Uh, see it um it it does there okay so that works uh i don't know why it doesn't like chris story but let's try this again see if we can get chris story back on here hey i can hear the ringing so hi buddy how are you good morning uh, good morning got me now i got you now you're, you're, I got you, babe. You're very bassy and echoey. What's going on this morning? What's happening with you, man? Oh, oh, is it is it too is it echoey? Is it weird? No, it's just it's really bassy and um, it's a little weird. It's a little weird. Did you weird? Okay, let did, me. I'll uh, just don't don't go anywhere. I'll, I'll switch. Hang on. One okay, second. all right. He's gonna switch. While he switches, uh, we will say don't forget to like and follow the show page. Don't forget to uh, do all that stuff. Let me get. Uh, let me get Chris all squared away here, and uh, we will uh, continue. Chris Story is going to be our guest today. How to avoid burnout is what we're looking for, and uh, we'll see what's going on. See the Brune decision, says Jeannie. 
Yeah. Um, the I agree. Uh, I mean, the Bruin decision is the is the ripple. It's the pebble in the pond. Only it wasn't a pebble. It was a boulder, the size of a Volkswagen in the pond. It definitely is changing a lot of things out there. 8 a.m. at the Community and Regional Affairs. We'll post that up again. We'll talk about it here after we're done with Chris. Hello, Chris. Good morning, Michael. Better? Yeah, better, better, better. Yeah, I don't know. It was just, it was very basic up in here like this. It was just, it was kind of weird. I don't know what was going on, but it sounded good, but it It sounded like a a big, big bottom. Yeah, that was the big bottom process right there. The big bottom process. Um, All right, my friend, how's... uh, well, I guess I can't ask you that question because we're about to jump back into it. Here we go. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share, like and follow, do all the stuff. Here we go. Public enema number one. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, enemy. Public enemy number one, which uh, makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the uh, Michael Duke Show. <laughs> what? I'm a pain in... That, that's something wrong with that guy, man. Something wrong with that guy. Welcome back to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Today, we're joined by my friend, guru, positivity mentor, and more, Chris Story, the man from Homer, who comes in to give us our weekly life coaching lesson and uplift. And today he wants to talk about how to avoid burnout. It's like we're sharing a brain here because, boy, I tell you, usually I don't feel burnout till the end of the year. You know, usually it's like about November. I'm like, I'm so wasted of the whole, oh, and I need that vacation between Christmas and New Year's to recharge. I swear, it's March, and I'm starting to feel the fatigue already. It's pretty crazy. So, Chris, tell me. How am I avoiding burnout? Let's let's start things off today, my friend. Good morning, Michael. I appreciate that lead-in, especially with the idea that we're sharing a brain. That's at once frightening and yeah. exciting. Well, between the two of us, we can have a whole person here. <laughs> it's fine. Don't worry. All right. <laughs> that's a good character. I like that. I don't know what character voice that is, but I like it. Keep him around. That's, he's, that's he's my kind of guy. That's just your normal off-air voice. I'm just trying to let people know what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. Okay, uplifting already. So much, so so much love. So much love in this room. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And Yeah, it, it seems like today is the day to, to bring this to you, Michael. How do you avoid burnout? I suggest it's a two-word solution, probably simpler than you might think, and maybe a little bit easier than you would otherwise make this process. So the two-word solution to avoiding burnout is do more. Oh, sorry. Do more. I'm sorry, what? It sounded like you said do more. Is that what you just said? It's I mean, I don't, exactly I don't want to do anything at beyond what I'm doing right now, and your answer is to do more. <laughs> You're going to have to explain yourself on that one, brother. So if you've ever felt burnout, and I know you have, but, but let's say you're listening to this and go, what are these two idiots talking about? Or, well, that idiot and Chris, what are they talking about? You don't need, if you've ever felt it, you need not somebody describe it to you. You can feel it in your body. And that's typically how I describe burnout. It's not a, not a, not a time-sensitive thing as much as it is the feeling associated with time spent or lost or invested in something that you feel burnt out. So again, words aren't necessary to describe burnout. If you've ever felt it, you can close your eyes and you can put yourself back into that. I don't want you to go there and stay there too long, but 
if you're feeling good right now and not burned out, but just relate to this for a minute. Remember what that felt like emotionally, physically, mentally. Those are three different types of feelings, but they all kind of coalesce into this sensation that you and I refer to as burnout, and you can relate to that. So to avoid getting burnt out or feeling either emotionally or, like I said, even financially burnt out, all these kinds of, of emotions come to rise when we're doing less, not more. And what I mean is, if you've ever heard of multiple streams of income, so as sure. not to rely upon a single point of failure, it's the same with what you, quote, do. Do more. Have multiple streams of meaning, multiple streams of where you get joy and derive pleasure and purpose in life. So as not to put all of your eggs in the basket of what you, quote, unquote, do for a living or what defines you or what you might put down on a sheet or, or a form <clears throat> to talk about your employment, have multiple streams of meaning. And just for me, just by way of example, when I get away from my walk with art or writing or recording things of meaning for myself that I really get a lot of joy out of, even if it's related to radio work that I do, but where it's not just the day-to-day, -day, it's something special that I want to go to a place that feeds my soul and then share it with others. When I w walk further from that path, I begin to feel burnout. And I've attuned my own self to say, wait a minute, okay, I know this feeling, I need to go do something more. And it doesn't mean pushing harder at the wheel like Sisyphus going up the hill. It means do more of what feeds me on a regular basis as a whole human being. So my answer to burnout is multiple streams of meaning, things that you do in your life more of that create meaning versus just the drudgery of tomorrow, same as today. Let's talk about that in terms of your chief definite aim or your major purpose in life or your goal, whatever you want to call it. There are things that you can do that are even, uh, I mean, are you suggesting outside of your goal that are bringing fulfillment in other areas or other ways? Should we take our, our, our you know, I guess, I guess my question is, should I take my eye off the goal to do something else that is also fulfilling to help fill my tank? Or, I mean, give me, give me your thoughts on that. I would say expand your goal. So the role of a goal in your life is to bring you, draw you forward. Inclusive in that goal setting process should be and ought to be things that are feeding you in, in contentment wise and meaning. Like I say, multiple streams of meaning should be baked right into your goal setting. At least for me, that's how it is. For example, my definite chief aim, as you put it, as Napoleon Hill cleverly put that in 1922, my definite chief aim, what gets me up in the morning, what drives me when I'm down, what drives me when I'm attacked by somebody out of nowhere for some thing I said, or believe it or not, recently the way I say it, um, what gets me to move through those moments and not feel burnout with the day-to-day -day or the drudgery of life is to have an expanded role of a goal, which my definite chief aim is to serve and influence and inspire and motivate as many people as possible. Underneath that banner, under that umbrella, fits all the chess pieces of my life to include what I do for financial success, what I do for long-term future fortune work, what I do for passion and projects like pottery, which make me uh, far less money per hour than anything else I do in my life, but I don't do it for the money. Now, when I go to sell a piece, Michael, I take the money, but I don't do it for the money. I do it for the joy and the meaning that it brings into my life. So it's those kinds of things. Same thing with writing. 
writing is something that I'll continue to do no matter who reads me, no matter who publishes me, no matter who accepts me into their books or doesn't. doesn't matter. I'm doing the writing for me. And by the way, what I write is in alignment with my goals and with my larger purpose. So it feeds me in that way. And I'm not saying that I've got all the solutions here other than do more. I have to remind myself to do that. Over the weekend, for example, somebody asked me for a Raku pottery table. They wanted to give it to a friend. And I said, yeah, I've got some of the house. Let me go, let me go select a couple and, and you can pick which one you like. And in that process, I realized, wait a minute, you know, it's been a long time since I made one of these. It created and spawned a whole flurry of creativity over the weekend and fed my, my soul and pro provided some meaning at a time that I needed it just right. It fit like the perfect puzzle piece I'd been missing. and didn't even really realize I had been. So again, further I get from that path and the further I get from doing those multiple streams, uh, the, the more I can experience or I'm about to feel burnout. And then I'll use it as a watchword and say, wait a minute, you're getting a little further off path here, buddy. Let's move back into what makes meaning in your life. So this is obviously counterintuitive uh, for what most people are saying, because I, like I said, I mean, I'm, I work a lot, right? I mean, I'm, uh, I, I work a lot. I, I do, like I said earlier, I'm feeling a little bit of the burnout already, which is unusual for this, uh, for this time of year for me historically. And I was just thinking, man, I get to the weekend and I'm like, I just want to uh, unplug my brain and become a vegetable on the couch for a few hours, you know, but you're right. Uh, because there is a form of accomplishment that comes out of, the creativity or some of those other things. I'm just thinking back to some of the times where I've spent a weekend doing something that is creative. And I do feel, even though it can be work and it can be uh, tiring, I do feel a sense of accomplishment. So I can see, I can see the, the prospect of this, but it is counterintuitive to what we would normally, I guess what the normal average person would do. Not that I want to be the normal average person. Well, you are far from average, Michael. I'm, I'm well, well below direction. average. It's fine. Above it's, or below? Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, that's good. Thank uh, you for picking up what I wasn't I, I, down. I could smell well, there's that. there's inertia. I think, I think what you're describing is inertia that's built into our daily lives. And we need that. We can't, you can't avoid it in some cases. You've got to make the donuts. The donuts got to be made. But when you've got multiple streams of meaning in your life, you've baked the good life into your routine. And you can. You can stir in more. You can fold in more of what provides meaning, and you know what it is for you. And if you don't know, then make the search for that the thing. What's the name of your business, Michael? The, the business that with which you do voice work is called? Uh, well, that's called Michael Duke's voiceovers, but the business is called the Creative Department Incorporated. Exactly. Creative Department. That That's where I think a lot of this comes is in creating. We are makers. We're human beings are designed to make things with our hands or with our minds, whatever it is, we're designed to do these things. It's built into our DNA. And the further we get away from that and more into the knowledge age work and the task work at hand, we can feel a disconnect. So as much as I despise when people refer to themselves as makers, oh, I'm a maker. I can't stand, I don't know why that bugs me. It almost <laughs> bugs me as bad as when Americans end their text messages with cheers. I don't know why. It bugs me, but those are little idiosyncrasies that need not be disclosed here. That's just between you and me, Michael. Oh, but what a, I'm saying is, I'm with you on the cheers thing. I find that weird. You're not in England or Australia. It just, you know, it, you should say howdy instead of cheers. But anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Make it American. But you, there's a certain amount of contentment, peace of mind, and 
joy that flows to you and through you when you're adding in these creative prospects or these creative endeavors in your life, things that, that really feed you. And you know what it is. I can't say what it is for you. And again, if you don't know and, and you're listening to this going, hmm, I don't know what, what really outside of work and work is fine. Do more of what you love can include showing up in a different way to work. It's not about time. It's not about the hours committed to the to the boss or the company or the, the company store. It's about how you show up. So maybe it's take a class to enhance what it is you do or expand your mind into something you never even thought possible for you. I'm not, I'm not a talented great. I used to run a ceramic shop with my wife and we had an adult class. We, you know, we taught a lot of kids, a lot of children came through our workshops, but we'd also do evening workshops with adults. And how many people would sit down at that table before the blank canvas of a, of a coffee mug or a bowl or a plate and say, oh, I'm just not creative. And by the time they left, you would have thought they transformed into Michelangelo. They were so, oh my God, this is amazing. And we got to see this transformation constantly. And it really embedded in my life this idea that they might have showed up at that class at 5.30 or 6 o'clock after having worked from 8 to 5, rushed kids here, there, went home, put a little dinner in the oven, said, hey, I got a class to get to. They showed up at my place at 6 o'clock and otherwise maybe would have been exhausted, but for the creativity they got to expend and the joy that was found at the end of a paintbrush. So maybe it's not a paintbrush for you, but there is something and there's money right. waiting. No, and it's just finding a way to make it all worthwhile. I, you know, I did some, I, I'm a creative person. And so there was a, I bought a 3D printer here a few years ago and I started printing out, uh, you know, little miniatures and scenery for, for Dungeons and Dragons games and things like that. And I started painting it and it, mm -hmm. it didn't necessarily contribute to my my overall goal and aim, um, other than I would love everybody in the world to try and play Dungeons and Dragons because it's a fun, fun, creative thing for you and your family. But um, it was uh, it was exultant to to finish a project and look at it and to see it and think, wow, that was that was a lot of fun. And look at what I made. I mean, it, look at what I did. It's 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 definitely a fun thing. I created a board game last fall. Actually, I came up with the rules for the game, and and it's called Born to Live, believe it or not. And it's, I think, Michael, it's ingenious. And I spent six months collecting the pieces, collecting and creating the board for the board game, all of it, and creating the rules and refining the rules. And it's a dice game, and it's really simple, but it's also, as you can imagine, it's a, basically it's it's a game for optimists. And it's incredible. It's, dare I say, genius. I gave <laughs> one, I made six copies. I kept one for me and I gave away five. I'm the only one that likes the game, Michael. I'm the, you know what I got out of it? I got six months of thinking about it, sourcing it. Yeah. Uh, my, that's not true. My granddaughter, Nevaeh, loves to play the game. Um, but I'll, I'll look at Tiffany just as a joke and I'll say, hey, want to play Born to Live? And her eyes roll into the back of her head like, no, I don't. But I don't care. Right. Honestly, I made it for my own enjoyment, and I loved uh, doing it. Maybe one day when I'm gone, they'll go, my God, right. this is a genius game. Well, he, was, he, was, he was like a, a Da Vinci. 
the creative process is re- is a reward unto itself in some ways, right? Yeah, I mean, that's what that I'm was talking my about. point. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, I mean, I I think you're right. Multiple streams of joy, multiple streams mm-hmm. of purpose. Um, we should talk about that and wrap that up into multiple streams of income. Maybe next week you can come in and give us some financial advice too, because you're more than just the Love positivity you. guru. You are uh, you are a mentor and a realtor and. Uh, you got you got lots of you got lots of hats on right now. I can't see your forehead. You got so many hats on. So uh, maybe we you should talk a big about forehead. You can watch a you can watch a movie. On it's my it's actually a fi- it's actually a five head. So I mean it's you know it's it's good good to go. I've got a six head myself, so I understand what that's like. All right, Chris Story, the man from Homer. I love Homer is his website. His latest book is The Backyard Millionaire, although his new latest book is going to be The Making of Man, uh, uh, the Man series, Jacob Man series. I can't wait to see uh, where that comes out here. We're going to be doing that. You can go check him out again at ilovehomeralaska.com. Chris Story, thank you, my friend. Appreciate you, uh, appreciate you coming on board and being part of it today. My pleasure. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for what you do for Alaska and the world. Well, you know, this segment is just for me. I just want people to know that. If they get something out of it, that's a bonus. But this segment is for me. So I hope you got as much out of it as I did. Thank you, Chris. Folks, we got more coming up. The Michael Duke Show continues. One final segment, I guess. I'll open up the phone lines. Why not? Well, I'm feeling brave. We'll take your calls. Back with more right after this. Don't go anywhere. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Beard-flavored coffee is not as awesome as you would think it is. It just doesn't, it's not, just not the same. Although, going back to it after, you know, sucking it out of your mustache later on, still pretty positive. Oh. Chris Story. <laughs> Hey, it's called the soup strainer for a reason, right? <laughs> we call mm-hmm. we call it the soup strainer for a reason. Um, <laughs> Chris, I mean, I, I, you know, again, the whole thing seems counterintuitive, but I understand what you're trying to say here. And that creativity is a balm to my, and I'm with you, the whole idea of the word maker uh, I like it, but at the same time, it's weird, right? I mean, at the same time, yeah. I, I understand what they're saying, and I'm impressed when somebody says I'm a maker, um, and I'm like, okay, yeah, okay, I got, I got that. I, but it is kind of weird. It is, it is kind of a weird word. Um, I guess history. Tech- yeah, it's hipstery. There you go. Since I am the proto hipster, I guess I should take that on and say I am a maker. I'm a well. I mean, I have said in the past. Somebody asked me what I did. I was like, I'll switch it up. I said I'm a content creator, and they're like, What? I'm a content creator because that's what I. I mean, I'm on Facebook and YouTube every day. I'm on the radio every day. I'm a you know. I could say I'm a talk radio show host. I could say that I'm a voice actor. I could say that I. I could say all those things. It's nice to change up the hats every now and then. But the bottom line is, is that creativity is, I think, at the core of most individuals. Yeah. The the other expression that, um, and I don't know why, and forgive me if it's something that you refer to yourself as. A creative. It's so like creative. I'm differentiate and be special. I'm a creative. When you use creative as a noun, yeah, um, that's and it's like oh, I'm I'm yeah. specialer than you. No, that's too weird. I, I think when you say you're a creative, I'm like, 
that's pretentious. Like, there's a couple of podcasts that I listen to, and I, I like it because they interview artistic and interesting people. But this is for all my creatives, all the creatives in the room. <laughs> oh, the hoity toity. I bet you drink your coffee with your pinky up, don't you? It's uh, it's a horrific mm. thing. Um, but mm. I mean, I, I think we can all find it out there. I mean, whether it is, you know, making Raku pottery or painting D&D figures or doing something else. I mean, there's always something out there we can find that will help us, you know, reach that, uh, reach that, that Zen, I guess the Zen place to be new well, age yeah, about it. And I actually meant to, yeah, I meant to bring that up is, and I, I completely forgot, but like samurai soldiers, samurai warriors, uh, would arrange flowers or paint or write haiku, you know, is it haiku? Yeah, haiku uh, poetry I, yeah. Um, and so forth. And there's a reason because you're a whole person. And it reminds me a little bit of the story that I told one time a few years ago, and I'll repeat it once in a while, about a poet, warrior, and philosopher. Well, we have all of that within us. We can be, you could be a warrior here on the mic Monday through uh, Friday. That doesn't mean you, you're not a bit of a philosopher after hours or bring some philosophy to you know, navel gazing philosophy, bring it to what you do here as a warrior and also have that poet streak maybe in the evenings or over the weekend where you are creating and doing something to feed that piece of your soul. But I think, yeah. I think we are of, of three minds and when we only feed one, the other two will atrophy, starve and, and create lack in your life. Whether even if you're just killing it financially, killing it at work, and there's something missing and the, the billionaire says, is this it? Is this right, all? right. Or the hundred millionaire, whatever. No, I agree. I think the creative part, and I'm always looking for new creative outlets. I recently started streaming on the weekends to Twitch. I streamed gaming. Uh, I just started gaming. Mm -hmm. um, and that's an interesting, that's an interesting experience. Uh, Cause it's a whole different crowd of people and it's a whole different uh, dynamic. Um, and there's such a creative aspect to it. I, cause it's an entertainment venue. I love that. So um, let me ask you, cause I've never watched anything like that. Are you talking over the game? And yeah, you're, you're oh, describing yeah, what you're yeah, we're doing the talk. We're playing the game. We're talking about it. We're talking about aspects of the game. We're talking about aspects of life. We're talking about, you know, sometimes I play a game that's a space-based game, so I talk a lot about science fiction and things that I've read and things that have interested me. And, um, you know, it's just it's a very interesting um, it's a very interesting thing. It's so different from what I do Monday through Friday, uh, where we all mm -hmm. we talk about is politics and wood ticks and lunatics and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, it's, it's just, it's a, it's kind of a release in a lot of ways. And it's, and it's a lot of fun. I get to play my favorite game and still, and talk to other people while I'm doing it and, and entertain. And it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. So. Good for you. But, awesome. um, well, thanks for having me here today, Michael. It's been a lot of fun. It's always, like I said, this is for me, my brother. This is this whole thing is for me, and you always kind of speak to my soul at this, and I appreciate that. So thanks for what you do, and thanks for uh, being part of it today. I appreciate it. You got it, Michael. Take care. Have a good rest of the show. I'm going to be listening for those angry callers. Yeah, be calling right now. I guess I got to find out about your angry call for what you said. I did say something before I let you go. I did see something on the Homer Facebook group where they're like, get this Chris Story guy off this show. It's a bunch of drivel and yeah. everything else. But then, yeah. but then like 400 people jumped on top of it and said, I love Chris. So you got to feel pretty good about your, your hometown neighborhood. Uh, I can't believe yeah. some no neck was like complaining about how dare we have positivity on the radio. It's just, it's a say. All right, brother. I'll talk to you later. Thanks so much for calling in uh, and be a part of it today. Uh, Chris Story, our guest here, The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Let's get back to it. Here we go. Like and share. Like and follow. Like and share. Here we go.
Okay, welcome back to the program. The Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for Common Sense Radio. One final segment on the program today as we uh, proceed ahead here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, I guess I should open up the phone lines. And uh, we can take your calls. How about that? Anything, any topic that we hit on today is fair game anything that well i mean or any topic i guess i should say not just what we talked about but if there's something else you want to talk about now is the time to do it um i will um i gotta i gotta i gotta launch everything because i got talking to chris there in the break we just let chris go before we returned normally we uh normally we got a little time in there so i guess now is a good time to remind folks though that this morning uh in community and regional affairs uh, the Community and Regional Affairs Committee is uh, getting ready to take public testimony on HB 61, which is Kathy Tilton's bill related to, uh, whoops, wrong wrong window, related to um, an act relating to restrictions on firearms and other weapons. So it uh, the, the public testimony this morning starts at 8 a.m. on this piece. Uh, and you can call in if you're in the Anchorage area at 907-563-9085. 907-563-9085. All other callers from anywhere outside of Anchorage, 844-586-9085. And these, this is all for community and regional affairs. You can also send an email if you want to make a comment. Uh, to the committee, and I know you can send it directly to uh, Kevin McCabe, who's the chair of that committee. You can send it directly to him at rep.kevin.mccabe at akleg.gov. And you could send your comments there in support, I guess, or opposition if you feel like you need to oppose it. But it's an act relating to restrictions on firearms and other weapons, and this deals with things like pandemic closures and other things, uh, uh, deals with some of the red flag issues. And so anyway, make your comments this morning. 8 a.m. is the uh, is the time, start time for community and regional affairs. Again, uh, 907-563-9085 is the phone number if you want to call in to testify on that bill. So feel free to feel free to do so. Feel free to make it happen. All right. <clears throat> so now for reels, the phone lines are open at 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. Special thanks to our friends over there at Satellite West uh, for sponsoring the program today from <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> from Uzinki to Old Harbor, from Ketchumac to Ketchikan, from Chattanooga to China, and from Antioch to Adak, wherever you are in the state of Alaska, Satellite West has got you covered. 
You can be connected via text messages, emails, phone calls, or even just surf the internet with the help of the experts at Satellite West. Find them at SatelliteWest.com and, of course, find a list of their local dealers there as well for all the tech that they have available. Thank you to Satellite West for sponsoring the program today. Uh, 907-433-3150. Any topic is fair game, and we would love to hear what you guys have to say uh, on this. Uh, I guess I'll go back for just a minute to my micro rant at the beginning of the last, uh, at the beginning of this hour, um, saying that we have to bring more people into this. This has been my argument for years. Uh, as I said, 20 plus years I've been saying this. And again, I don't think that we're ever going to, I mean, as I said earlier, I would love to see a 60% voter turnout. I would love to see that. Um, And while I'm a positive person, I'm not hopeful that that is actually achievable because the vast majority of people just don't, they just don't care. Uh, I think part of the reason why they don't care is because they feel like what they do doesn't matter. Which is not correct, but it is the, you know, perception is reality, and that is their perception. I think over the last five or six years, we've seen an increase in the number of people who feel that way, that what they're doing just doesn't matter and and their vote doesn't count and many other things. I think that's why you've seen a precipitous drop-off in a lot of this, on top of things like ranked choice voting and other things that are confusing and also make them feel like they're, you know, even more that their vote doesn't matter. And many people are just, you know, they just, they don't care to think deeper beyond what they're doing on a day-to-day basis. That's that's not a criticism of them. It's just, that's kind of the way it is. So again, to move the needle on our discussions and to move the needle in what's happening here in the state of Alaska, we really only have to motivate or educate a smaller, a small, small selection of the population to make a large move in the long run. And so that's why I would encourage you, you know, honestly, when these things are coming up, these different issues and things like that, you need to talk to people about it. And again, not in the annoying way all you ever talk about is politics. I've met people like that. I mean, with the exception of this show, I very rarely talk about politics outside of this show with other people. I do occasionally, but only with people that I think maybe be receptive to the education on it. Other than that, I feel like I'm doing my part here just sharing with you. Uh, but you could talk to a few people. And if you did, maybe we could make a difference in what's going on. I, I just, I guess I'm just encouraging you again to, I mean, like when we are on Facebook or on YouTube and we say like and share the show, I guess I'm saying to all of you out there, including the radio audience, like and share the show, like and educate people with some of the same things that we bring to the show today. And And you know what? Bring them to the show. If you can't explain it, bring them to the show. Or send them a link to the podcast or something else to get them educated and motivated in what's going on. So that's my final thoughts there. Let's go over to the phones and see who's got something to say this morning. How about that? Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Randy in Fairbanks. Good morning, Randy. What is on your mind, sir? Well, I've, I've written a letter to the editor. I have not yet submitted it, submitted it to the newsminer, but I'm planning to. And basically it's a letter asking if anyone knows of a person who has uh, put paid into Social Security their whole life, but, you know, they decided when they got old that they're just not going to take it. I'm, I'm really curious about that question. I haven't got an answer yet, really. But uh, in my letter, I also uh, explain how much money I have paid into Social Security. It took me several days of going through tax records to figure that out. But I, 
I have paid in, I and my, and the matching contributions by my employer since 1974 when I started working is $150,000 in Social Security payroll taxes. And then here's my kind of question to you. I was figuring, well, now if I had not sent that into the government and had just invested in it and in uh, how much would I have? And the figure I took, I said, well, what if it paid 3% interest uh, compounded quarterly every year? Uh, what would I have? And I figured out it would be $319,000. But my question to you, considering risk and all that sort of thing, is 3% a reasonable figure if a person invested into an investment account? You know, there's money markets, there's CDs out there, there's the stock market, but that's risk. What do you think about the figure, 3% compounded quarterly? Uh, compounded quarterly would make it 12% annually? Is that how you figured it? No, it'd still be 3%. It's just that they re re recalculate, you know, they plow in the money that's interest in, into the principal. Every three months, they put that interest money into the principal and then calculate based on that. Um, I think 3 I mean, 3% is a very... Um, 3% is a very reasonable um, uh, return expectations, I, I think, um, is, uh, you know, I, mean, I don't think that that's a, a problem. If you had $150,000 and you invested it and you had an interest rate, because you, didn't, you didn't have 150, well, I don't have a whole, hold the line, Randy. We're going to talk, take this off the air because we're coming up on the uh, end of the show today. Folks, we're out of time. Don't go anywhere. Okay. We'll see you tomorrow. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Okay, Randy. So if you had 130, if you had $150,000 a year and you invested it over, uh, let's just say eight years. Now you said 1974, you obviously didn't start off with $150,000 in 1974, but if you had $150,000 and you had a 5% interest rate, which is a pretty, you know, that's, that's, that's probably median, a median interest rate. Um, in eight years, you'd have $221,000, right? Um, if you took that out again to 20 years, um, for the same, for the same investment, uh, and again, 1974 is a lot more than 20 years, you'd have almost $400,000. If you took it out, 1974 would be what? 40, that's 50, that's, uh, 40, 40 years, years, right? 40 years. Uh, you would have 48 years, 48 years. Okay. I'm sorry. Let me, let me redo the math here. 48 years. Um, that'd be $1.56 million at 5%. All right. If you just used your conservative 3%, um, you'd still have $619,000. So yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a significant amount and I think you would have been better off if you had been investing your own money at a relatively safe two and a half to 3%, you'd still have more money than you had today. That's just, that's the magic of compounding interest. And that's part of the problem with Social Security is that money is not working for you. It's just sitting there. And then you get taxed well, on it when it comes back. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. By the, by the way, that 150000 did not, that's from 1974 to the present year, to, to 1920 to 2022. Right. Each year I put in so much money into Social Security. I mean, the first year in... Uh, the total contributions, I got it written down here somewhere, was like $270. Sure, and then sure. Like I up. said, you didn't start and, off with 150000 Yeah. For instance, the, the amount that I put in last year, 
uh, the, with cost, I wish I had my figures right here, but uh, we're always right there when, except when you need them. <laughs> uh, um, oh, here, I think I put it here. Um, yeah, here I got my figures. For instance, in 2022, my contributions to Social Security taxes plus my matching, my employer's matching last year was $8,028. And the interest earned on that, I calculated, was exactly the same because it's all in one year. No year had passed by. But in, in uh, 1974, when I started, my amount that I put in was $254, that and the employer. And uh, uh, let's see that. Um, well, well, for instance, in 1976, when I was working on the pipeline, it was, uh, oh, here we go. Uh, when I was working on the pipeline, I put in, one thousand five hundred and fourteen dollars right and then i put that to the uh compound interest calculator that i found on the internet and it and at today that amount of money invested would be five thousand nine hundred and eighty seven dollars anyway did each year like that and then i added them all up and it turned out to be three hundred and nineteen thousand dollars for you know three percent interest thing right which would go a lot anyway, further than uh you know then it would go a lot further than what uh what you're saying right now and it's the same thing if you took last year's eight thousand twenty eight dollars by three percent interest and you compounded that out it you'd have fifteen thousand dollars in 20 years the bottom line is randy you would be better off if you were investing your own money uh, that's the bottom line. The problem is, is that people have become inured to that and they're depending on the government and social security and it's not going to be there for many of us. And it's going to be, well, I mean, how are you going to be able to live on $150,000, which is what you put in there now? Obviously, you'll still get a set amount until you die, so you may get more than that $150,000 out. I mean, maybe it's a better thing. I don't know. All right. Well, thank you so much, Randy. I'm sorry I got another call on hold, but I'm out of time. I got to go. Folks, thanks for coming in and joining us. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. We'll see you tomorrow. shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people 
It's the Michael Duke Show.